Our reading this evening is taken from 3 John, and it's the whole book, um, and that's found on page 1,230, I think. It's not numbered. Yes. That's 3 John, the whole book. The Elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So, if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, gossiping maliciously about us. Not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And I'll pray for us. Um, the best way uh, for this not to turn into hot air is that uh, God speaks to you uh, directly as we share. So let's pray that he does. Dear Lord, we pray that as we look to this letter that you will speak to us, uh, into our hearts and our minds, that we hear you and uh, we pray by your grace that we would respond to it. Amen. Yes, yeah, so we're looking at 3 John, John's third letter, which is... Uh, well, two things you can say about it. One is that uh, this is the shortest letter in the New Testament, and it's also one of the few that's addressed to an individual. Uh, you'll see that Gaius. Although maybe it's men- meant to be uh, read by other people as well. Perhaps the reason for it being short is because uh, this uh, John the Elder states uh, in verse 13 that his desire really is to uh, meet Gaius face to face. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and paper. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. I agree with him. It's much better to talk face to face with people, isn't it? Um, 
The other day I was having to do one of these ghastly telephone conversations, conferences, things. You have this machine in front of you and you speak into it and I'm speaking to a room full of people in London somewhere and I can't see what their faces are. I don't know whether they're pulling faces at me down the phone or whether they're irritated or with each other. I don't know. You just don't know. Uh, so you miss out a lot of um, communication when you're not face to face. But I suppose we're pleased that he did write it, otherwise we wouldn't be looking at it, would we? It's uh, exciting to know that we one day will meet Jesus face to face. Well, exciting or terrifying, depending on where you stand, I guess. Well, you might have noticed many similarities as we read this, and if you hear last week, between John 2 and 3. Some verses are exactly the same. In fact, the verses about meeting face to face to talk are the same. Both are talking about walking in the truth, but both are talking about an importance of love. But whereas John 2 talks about not welcoming false teachers, the main thrust of this letter is that we should welcome and support those who are, share the, um, the true message, serve the true message. So written to this chap called Gaius, who uh, you'll note um, uh, from verse 1 that it is. Uh, we don't really know much about Gaius. Uh, uh, Gaius is a, a popular name in the time that this was written. Ironically, as popular as John is now. Um, and some have speculated about who Gaius might have been. There was a chap called Gaius of Derby. Uh, not the Derby that Will's from, I don't suppose. But uh, who uh, was later first bishop of Pergamum. We don't know. But what we do know is that uh, John the Elder is obviously fond of Gaius. He says, uh, To my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. John, it appears, has some oversight uh, in relation to this church that Gaius is a member of. And uh, you'll notice in verse 4 he uh, refers to them as children, his children. And perhaps he was involved in some way in Gaius becoming a Christian in the first place. And it's probable that Gaius uh, has some influence as well in the church, as he writes to him, because uh, he's been welcoming people and uh, it's uh, probable that John would not be telling him about the antics of uh, Diotrephes otherwise. So you could divide this letter into three. In fact, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, it's first, it's the message of Gaius, which is encouraging and commending him. Second is the message concerning Diotrephes, which is uh, the opposite, really. It's a warning and a denunciation of the things that he's been up to. And the third concerning Demetrius and the fact that he's commending him to Gaius. So, Let's have a look then at this first bit, verses 2 to 8, about Gaius. What does John the Elder say to him? Well, it seems that some brothers, uh, probably itinerant preachers, who go from church to church, uh, teaching and preaching, it was a mark of the early church that that, that happened, and some of these have come back to John uh, and given a report on how Gaius is doing. In modern language, I suppose you could say they were giving him some constructive feedback. I've had a bit of feedback in my time and uh, of varying usefulness. Some of it constructive, some of it not. Uh, what I've learned about feedback is what you need to hear is uh, you need to hear from somebody who has some idea of what actually you've been up to uh, rather than making it up. And, uh, and you need somebody to tell you not just, oh yeah, you did well. You need to, somebody to tell you why it was you did well. 
why the person thinks that uh, you've done well. And uh, after all, they could be just, uh, you know, praising you because they think you're so awful that you need a bit of encouragement. Um, so you need to know what, what it is that they um, think you've done well. And that is exactly what John does. He expresses what it is that Gaius has done well. And at first he says, he commends Gaius for his adherence to the message of the truth. And secondly, for his demonstration of genuine love. So let's first look at those. Let's look at the truth. Well, you see that John refers to the term the truth four times in this first eight verses. He talks of the faithfulness to the truth, verse 3. How you continue to walk in the truth, verse 3. Walking in the truth, again in verse 4. And working together in the truth, for the truth, sorry, verse 8. Gaius was, has been faithful to the message about Christ. Faithful to the message and obedient to Jesus' commands. This is not just in the way, in what he says, uh, or the soundness of his doctrine, although it is both of those, I guess, but also in living out the truth. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what I command, John 14. How we should pray, I'm thinking, that this would be the same for us too. That what we claim to believe will be seen by what we do and how we behave. Isn't that the truth? But as I was thinking about this letter, I was very much aware that we live in a very uh, sceptical age where modern thinking does not like the assertion that we follow the truth. Remi Mike reminded us last week that uh, Pilate, when speaking to Jesus and Jesus talked about the truth, Pilate said, what is truth? That's very much a question of the current age, is it? Isn't it? What is truth? Is truth the same in Basingstoke as it is in African Congo, Somalia, Vladivostok, Iraq? Is my truth the same as your truth? I was listening the other day to a talk on what they call fixed mindset. This is an, an open mindset. So the idea is fixed mindset is that you believe that the intelligence you have is what you're born with. So however intelligent you are is what You've been gifted or born, and, uh, and so the logic would follow then that it's not a lot of point in sort of banging away at physics because you're never going to be a Stephen Hawking or whatever. It depends, you know, how, what you're born with. Whereas the open mindset says that actually by effort, by practice, by keeping going at it, actually you can improve your intelligence. There's a lot of uh, uh, evidence to support that claim that you can actually become more intelligent by uh, not just learning more by actually practice, by effort. Now, it's a good thing. I felt that that was, that was great, that, that, that schools are learning that, but it's all very commendable, but it's not the truth, is it? It is a truth, perhaps, but there are many other things about learning. Uh, and they may be good and true, but they're not the truth. The Bible says that the Christian claim, and incidentally my belief, is that in Jesus we find the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. So the answer is yes. The truth is the same, wherever you are. It's to be found in Jesus. To be faithful to the message of the gospel of Jesus and his commands is to be faithful to the truth. That's not very PC these days, is it? You're bound to be challenged if you claim that you are following the truth. 
People may say, well, that's very arrogant, isn't it, you know, compared with what other people might say. Even if those who are sympathetic uh, might not want you to claim that it is the truth. But in Jesus, and it, sorry, if, if Jesus is the Son of God, which I believe he is, what is, if he came down to earth to live and to uh, communicate his truth, that we may be reconciled, to die that we may be reconciled, for him for all eternity. How can anything else be more or even as important as that? If true that it is the truth, everything else follows from it. Even breakthroughs in science, even important social change, as good as those are, they're never going to be the truth. Well, in the end, we have to make up our mind. But Gaius is commended for being someone who, the brothers have reported, is faithful to the truth. Moreover, he walks in the truth. He lives out that. Just as in Genesis it refers to Noah as someone who walked with God. So to the Christian who lives to have his life shaped and guided by this truth, by Jesus. But the second thing uh, that Gaius is commended for is for his love. He's holding to a confession of Jesus, living and obedient to commands of God, but in particular to the command to love. Let me read you verses 5 to 6, and 6, sorry. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. The brothers come back to testify to the way Gaius loves the fellow believers even though they are strangers to him. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The way by which we know that someone is walking in the truth is if they show love to their brothers. It's one of the things that really made a difference to me when I was a teenager, when I saw in people who were believers that they did love. What Gaius has particularly done, of course, here, is to give a welcome to the strangers, the brothers that have come to him. And no doubt he may have given them accommodation, food, probably supported them with transport and maybe money in order to, uh, as John puts it, send them on their way, enable them to continue what they're doing. He has treated them with generosity so that these people who are called to go out in his name do not have to behave like beggars. Do not have to keep asking to be supported. Surely that is the same, isn't it, for us uh, in today's church too. Maybe there are some of you who will be one day sent out, as many have from here already. And when you do, you will depend upon the support of other Christians. And it's no good uh, expecting that non-Christians are going to be enthused by supporting you to share the gospel. It's the responsibility of Christians to do that, as it was then, by supporting uh, such people. So verse 8, We ought therefore to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. Do you notice that? We join together with them in the work of making Jesus known, in sharing the truth. We know may not all be called to stand up in front of a load of strangers and speak, or go out to some strange place, some strange country. 
but we are all called to share in making the truth known in whatever way we can. One commentator said, together we work for the cause, further the truth, some by preaching, some by supporting those who preach. It's not a Christian duty, it's more an act of love. Okay, let's move then to 9 to 10. So that was Gaius, this is Diotrephes. So what about this chap Diotrephes? Apart from having a name that I find difficult to pronounce, what is it that he's done to displease John the Elder? Well, unlike Gaius, he won't have anything to do with the travelling speakers, the brothers, who I guess actually probably were from John or from the churches that he had oversight of. And, not satisfied with uh, not welcoming him himself, uh, he stops others from doing so as well. He even puts them out of the church. It's pretty drastic stuff. So what's made him uh, throw all his toys out of the pram and oppose John? Well, it's worth noting that John does not condemn this Diotrephes for being a false prophet, or he doesn't indicate there's anything that he's doing which is false teaching. It's his actions uh, which are the problem, apart from his malicious gossip, perhaps. Well, people can say all sorts of things, but it's often their actions that give them away, isn't it? By their fruits shall they be known. And John says in verse 9 that Diotrephes loves to be first. Well, it seems that maybe he wants to be the one in charge here, and he's resenting any authority uh, or interference from John, um, the elder, and anyone who comes from him, like the brothers. It appears that John wrote an earlier letter, if you see in verse 9, probably about welcoming those who are travelling brothers. But this guy has scrapped the letter. I don't want to do what John says. Maybe even deliberately been unwelcoming precisely because John asks that he should. People can be very perverse, can't they? But it does make you wonder whether he ever stopped and looked at what he's doing whether he ever tested against the command of Jesus to love one another, what sign is there that the truth is at work in him? Did he ever stop to think? It's so important, isn't it, that we meet together and that we look at the Bible and see how we are measuring up to what Jesus has called us to. And we can hold each other to account uh, as we look at the word, just as John is doing here. How would we seem if the brothers reported back on us, I wonder? Okay, let me close with uh, just looking briefly at uh, Demetrius. In contrast, John commends Demetrius to Gaius and the church. It may well be that he is another travelling preacher, uh, one who has actually brought the letter that uh, we now have to Gaius. But I want you to notice in verse 12 what uh, John says Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself if you look at the truth the message of Christ you will know that this man is on the right track just as you know exactly the opposite when you look at what Diotrephes is doing but what I want to do is to close on what John says in verse 11 
Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but that which is good. But what is good? Be imitators of what is good. John is obviously concerned, lest Gaius somehow is influenced by this Diotrephes. I think in a way we like to think that we're not imitators of anyone. We are our own person, you know, we uh, have our own style, make our own decisions, our own likes, tastes, actions. But the truth is we are often far more influenced by others than we like to think. We do imitate others. Um, when I was at college, which was a long time ago, as you probably guessed, um, there was an American lecturer, uh, uh, obviously had an American accent, and uh, I found that within a few weeks I began to speak like him, you know, like actually have the intonations that he had. Consciously or not, we do imitate others. That's a small example, but we do that often in bigger things. We are all imitators of someone. John says, be careful who it is you're imitating. Choose those whose life is clearly one which is marked by walking in the truth and whose deeds reveal the love which prompts them to do them. In short, as Christians, we're called to be imitators of Christ. Let's pray together. <coughs> Dear Lord and Father, we thank you for this letter. And we do pray that um, we would continue to gauge ourselves, that we would examine ourselves as against your message of the truth and what you called us to. May we uh, walk in the faith, be faithful to your truth, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.